God's good, eh? Certainly beats an operation. All right. You got your Bibles there? Let's go to John chapter 2. I'll be quick this morning because I know it's Mother's Day. You all want to get back to celebrating Mother's Day and having a party. And, you know, like I said, we've done the important bit of worship. Hang out in the presence of God, you know. So all you got to do is hang out. I can say that through the last five and a half, six weeks, I've actually gone through things and there's times like where I'd sleep literally about three hours and then wake up and couldn't sleep anymore because of medication, pain, things like this. And, and I just go out and hang out with God. And it's been um, really awesome just to do that. I mean, you sort of think, the last thing you feel like doing is doing that, you know, um, to give you an idea of what it's like, it was just, it's absolute pain from my shoulder down to about here. Um, and it's ongoing. They say to me, when I first went to the doctor, they said, rate out of 10. And I said, well, right now it's a 9. And um, we got, after about two weeks, got down to about a 5, and then it's sort of going down from there, and had to keep going back and getting different medication, different medication, and I'm never going back on that stuff ever again in my life. Coming off, it was horrible, you know. Um, you literally was climbing the walls, couldn't sleep, lay in bed. But in those times, you've got a choice. You can either wallow in the pain and the misery and everything else and sit in it and go, this is just horrible, this is bad, and complain. Or you can get up and you can worship God. And it's at those times you can sit there and go, is God's word true or is it not? Because see, God's word is bigger than your experience. And, and I'd find that I, I'd get up and I'd just spend time worshipping God and I'd have my Bible and actually I'd use my iPad a lot because I want to turn the lights on and wake everybody else up. So I'd use the Bible on my, on my um, tablet and I'd just walk around, you know, um, just reading the Bible and declaring the Bible and worshipping God. And I had some of the best times I've had with God in a long time in the middle of this time. And I'd go back to the doctor and, and he'd say, how are you going? And I'd say, well, look, right now I might be about a seven, but you know, Last night it got down to about a two, or, and you're going, oh no, you're just distracted. And I'm going, it wasn't because I was distracted. I was in the presence of God. And, you know, I'd go walking and walk a couple of hours a day because the whole thing with what I had was I can't sit down. I haven't sat down for six weeks. You know, it's either lay down or stand up, um, which is really inconvenient. <laughs> you know, so the one thing I long to do is that you sit down with a cup of coffee and my Bible. Just for half an hour. That's all I want to do. I'm sick of eating, standing up at a bench. You know, I make a coffee and you take a sip. It's one of those really good coffees you want to sit down and enjoy. You know? But I'd go, so I'd go walking. I did a lot of walking. And I'd just put my headphones in and put some music on and just worship God where I walk or, or listen to some guys teaching and stuff like that and, and build my faith. And just as you do these things, I tell you what, it brings the presence of God into a situation and your situation starts to change. So I'm telling you, don't ever be dictated to by your circumstances. All right? Don't ever be dictated because God's word is true and it is greater than anything the world can bring your way. You know, the doctor will tell you this. Not a great doctor. I said, I got people praying for me and he gets excited. He got excited by that. He's not a Christian, but he got excited by that. And we chatted about that and, you know, he said, keep him praying, keep it going. And, you know, because you can either live by your circumstances and what the world says it is, or you can say, you know what, God's word is true and I'm going by that, regardless of how I feel. And that's where the victory is. You know, and so I did what I've been teaching you guys. I just got 
verses and I started speaking them and speaking them. I'd speak in seven. I'd take my gospels. I'd just speak them seven or eight times in the morning. I'd do it in the middle of the day. I'd do it at night. And I started doing it about over, over my healing. And then I started doing it about a whole of other things in my life. And, you know, and, and we, Dale and I end up with this wall in our room. We've got this picture we showed you a while ago of, you know, the uh, vision. Around that, there's now about 10 other pictures of things that we believe in God to do through our lives. And, you know, and Satan is now going, man, I missed it with them. Because we're kicking his butt in about 10 different areas where we're seeing God doing stuff. All right? So you've you got a choice. You've got a choice when you face a difficult situation. You can either come under the circumstances or you can be what the Bible says. He says you're the head, not the tail. He says you're above and not beneath. And it's not determined by how you feel. It's determined by whether you believe God's word is true or not. And God's word is true. You know, your facts may be, I feel lousy, but the truth is you are healed and whole. The fact is that you may be in debt, but the truth is that the only debt you have is the debt of love. The fact may be that your relationship's in trouble, but the truth is that in Jesus you are whole. You are complete. And you are loved. In fact, he calls you beloved. Yeah? And now we'll get to the sermon. <laughs> Let's pray. Because we haven't done enough of that today, you know. God, I just thank you that you're here. I thank you you're in this place by your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we want to glorify you today. We want to magnify you. Holy Spirit, you come and have your way in this place. Make us more like Jesus. Pray the words, the Lord, that are spoken, Lord, they'll be your words. It'll be your instrument to bring life today. We want to bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Does I say John chapter 2? I want to talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus, being Mother's Day. All right. And I just want to give you a couple of things to just really take away and, and just, just challenge you about Mary because Mary is quite an awesome lady. Let's just read John chapter 2, verse 1. So on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, as in Mary. Now, both Jesus and disciples were invited to the wedding. Now, remember, at this point, Jesus has done no miracles. He's done nothing. No one knows who Jesus is. So rocking up to the wedding, they probably knew who Mary was, and Jesus was just Mary's son. All right? So he rocks up. He's got his disciples. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said, woman. Now, understand cultural context he is not being disrespectful all right i turned around my mother and said woman i'd probably know all about it really really quickly all right he is not saying like that all right in the culture and the context it was a respect understand that woman what does your concern have to do with me my hour has not yet come but his mother said to the servants whatever he says to you do it and we know that Jesus goes on and he turns you know, these big containers of water into wine and it's the best wine they've had at the party and everyone has a great time. And you know, we think through that, it would have been rather embarrassing for the bride and the groom to have run out of wine at the wedding. Obviously at the point where everyone wasn't sloshed enough. They hadn't had enough to drink. And an embarrassing situation is averted by Jesus stepping in. But Mary is, is absolutely extraordinary in this. And I want us to learn a couple of quick things from Mary. Is that all right? The first thing I want us to learn is that Mary made room for Jesus. 
She used her influence for Jesus to be able to do a miracle in that situation. She made room for Jesus because she had the authority in the situation. She was known. She was the mother. But she also knew who Jesus was. In a sense, Mary helped Jesus save that wedding from being a disaster. You know, who wants to have the wedding that, you know, you ran out of food and drink? And you'd always remember, you know, everyone goes home going, well, I enjoyed my little cracker and my half a glass. You know, for some people, half a glass is enough. But, you know, if you all go home and, and there was enough, you know, you sort of feel like, oh, gee, there wasn't much of a celebration. Because remember, Jewish weddings weren't just a couple of hours. Jewish weddings went on for days, sometimes a whole week. They partied. They celebrated. So to run out of wine is a big deal. It's not just, a, oh, we've got to get through the next half an hour. We're going to get through the next two or three days. And there's no wine. And that's why Jesus, you know, he didn't just turn a, a bottle into wine. He, he, they had these big, big, you know, barrels there of water that he turned into wine because it had to last a couple of days. It was a big deal. But Mary made room for Jesus to do what Jesus does. She stepped into the breach. She first of all brought her concern to Jesus. And then she said to the servants, whatever he says, go and do it. She empowered Jesus to do what Jesus does. And that's something we can learn from Mary. That our job here on earth is to make room for Jesus to be Jesus. To make room for him to do what he wants to do. You know, there's some people out there, the only Jesus they'll ever see is you. Because he lives within you. And we have a responsibility to carry that Jesus with us and to influence others. You know, we talked about being ambassadors, representatives of God. You actually go back to, I think Dar was talking a couple of weeks ago, but you go back to the word for, for church in the New Testament. It's a word called ecclesia, which actually means government. People say you shouldn't mix church and politics. I say, why not? Why should God be excluded from politics? We need more of God in politics. Integrity is a good thing to have in politics, yeah? Character, those sorts of things. But we are called not to be in politics. We're called to be in government. And that we have an authority within us to carry the kingdom of God and to influence others with that authority. How do we do that? We do that by bringing prayers, our prayers to God and interceding for people around us. We do that by making room for God, by praying for people that they may be healed. You know what? You don't have to be a minister. You don't have to go through theological college or anything else to be able to pray for somebody. You got someone in your life and they're going through a tough time. You can say to them, can I pray for you? You know, if someone says, friend says to you, you know, I've got cancer or, you know, I've got this tough situation going at home or my marriage is in trouble or, you know, we've got financial problems, whatever it is. You can say to them, hey, can I pray for you? You know, I've never had someone say no to being prayed for. Never, ever had someone say no to being prayed for. Because, see, people are in a situation where they realize they can't fix their situation. 
and that no one else can fix their situation. And they get desperate. And they're telling you because they're desperate. So you can turn around to them and say, can I pray for you? How do you pray for them? It's really easy. God, I pray for my friend here. Lord Jesus, I pray that you touch them. I pray that you help them through the situation. If they're sick, Father, I pray that you will heal them. Do it right there with them. Don't wait till they go away. I pray for their marriage. I pray for their finances. I pray for whatever situation they're going through. See, because too often we get into the world's way of doing things and someone tells us something bad, we go, oh, that's terrible. Oh, isn't that so bad? Oh, and then a competition becomes who can have the worst situation. You know, mothers loving doing this about labour, don't they? I've seen this enough with, you know, having six kids. Man, you get around women and they're talking about labours. I clear the room. I'm out. Oh, that's nothing, you know. It's like the old, you know, the old, you know, Abbott Costello thing, you know. Was Abbott Costello did they, you know. Oh, I live in a house. Oh, luxury, a house. You know, we live in a cardboard box. Oh, luxury, a cardboard box. You know, we had a newspaper. Oh, luxury, you had a newspaper. We had a leaf. Oh, luxury, you had a leaf. Yes, what women are like with labor. And it's like, for crying out loud. But, but we get, but we get in this, you know, I mean, guys do it too. You know, see the farmer on the fence. How you doing? Fine. It goes about that fast, you know. Cow died today. It's terrible. I lost two cows. I got a flat tire on the tractor. Oh, my engine fell out. And it's a competition to get into the worst. And we enter into the negativity, whereas we need to be like Mary. Mary could have been there consoling the bride and groom. Oh, it's so terrible. We've got no more wine. Oh, that's shocking. What are we going to do? Oh, whoa. And there would have been people doing that, yeah? They would have been all standing around going, oh, it's really bad. <laughs> Snickering under their breath a bit. But, you know. <laughs> My wedding was better than this. <laughs> you know, and they all would have been, oh, what did Mary do? She made room for Jesus. She went for the solution rather than looking for the problem. And that's what our job is to do. When you've got someone around you who says, oh, you know, things are bad in my marriage, you can go, cool, can I pray for you? Oh, I'm really not feeling well. Can I pray for you? What if nothing happens? Well, what if something does happen? Look, if nothing happens, the worst you've done is told that person that you care enough to pray for them. And you've made room for Jesus. And that's a pretty good place to be in. And that's a good friend. But that's how our job is to be like Mary, to make room for Jesus. Yeah? Second thing we learn from Mary is Mary wasn't perfect, but Mary was consistent. Yeah, it would have been a tough deal for Mary. She made mistakes. In, in Matthew chapter 12, 48, Jesus is in there teaching and he's in this house and there's massive crowds around them and he's teaching and, and, and healing people and so on. And, and, and his brothers, his brothers didn't really believe in Jesus until after he rose again, which you can sort of understand. It's a big deal saying my brother's the Messiah. 
Yeah, it's been a life of Brian. He's, no, he's not. He's just a naughty boy. <laughs> I mean, seriously. If one of your siblings came to you and said, I am the Christ, how are you going to go with that? You're going to go, I remember you. I remember us playing cricket in the backyard and you hit me with that ball. You know, because you knew everything about them. It's, yeah, the Bible says a prophet is not welcome in their hometown. And so the brothers, they grew up, they didn't see they didn't know, you know, the whole miraculous conception through their mother, but it wasn't really part of their world. You know, all they saw was this, their older brother growing up who, you know, and there's probably a bit of jealousy and a bit of sibling rivalry and going on with them. And so they struggled with Jesus being the Messiah. And at this point where Jesus got this crowd, all these people are following, they've talked Mary, they've convinced Mary that it's not good. And she comes down with Jesus' brothers to come and sort of pull him out of the situation because people are going, the guy's gone mad. He's a bit crazy. He's calling himself the Messiah. He's lost the plot. Mary, you need to go and sort him out. And the brothers are probably getting this. You know, they're heading off to work and they're getting this whole, you know, hey, what's on with your, your brother? He's lost the plot. Because not everybody was happy with Jesus. And so Mary comes down with the brothers to convince Jesus to come out. And someone comes in through the crowd because it's so packed. And, and they say, Jesus, your mother and brother's outside. And he says, who are my brothers and brothers? He said, anyone who does the will of God is my mother and brother. And he gives perspective. And Mary, to her credit, goes away and gets that perspective back. You see, she was consistent. Right back when the angel first comes to her and says, Hey, Mary, we want you to be pregnant with the Messiah. I mean, she's a young teenage girl. And her attitude is, God, whatever you want for my life. She knew the price that maybe Joseph was going to reject her. She was going to lose the love of her life. That society may not be happy with her. And she goes through it and she has the baby And she lives her life with the people in that community knowing that she was pregnant before she was married. She lived her life with that. But she stayed consistent. Consistently followed Jesus. Consistently walked with Jesus. Consistently met with him. She was a part of the entourage that went and followed Jesus. She was part of his support system. She was consistent. Yeah, and when she messed it up, she dealt with her mess up and she came back to that. To the point where Jesus is on the cross. Where's Mary? She's at the foot of the cross. Through the good, you know, when people are getting healed and miracles and water into wine, all this great stuff, and Jesus is the life of the party, she's there and she's being the consistent support. And when the tough time came, she's the one standing there at the foot of the cross. See, we need to learn to be consistent. Consistent in the words that we say. It would have been easy for Mary many times to have pulled Jesus back and gone, you've gone too far. But no, she encouraged him and made room for him. Is that how we are? Do we encourage and make room for others? Or are we quick to pull them down? You know, we live in a society that loves to cut down that tall poppy. You stick your head up, you know, let's see if we can cut you off at the knees. It's a terrible thing in our society. 
And we can get into that too often that, you know, that our, our jealousy and our rivalry gets going and, you know, this is happening and that is happening and someone else is getting more attention or this is happening in their life. And rather than being thankful, we want to be that person. And so but rather than being an encourager and support and going, my time will come, you know, we, we start to have a go at them. We start to pull them down. We get negative. We stop supporting them. And then when a person falls and they're down, what do we do? We kick them. When they mess up, we stick the boots in. Someone said, no one kills their own like the church. But Mary was not like that. Mary had a consistency in her and that she consistently made room for Jesus. She encouraged him. She supported him right to the very end. And then when he came back to life, she's there. She would have been there in the upper room on the day of Pentecost among the 120. She would have seen the church growing. She would have seen that ongoing influence of Jesus, her son. Because she stayed consistent through the good, through the bad, And she encouraged and she supported. How do we do? Do we make room for Jesus? Or are we over having the pity party when things are all bad? Do we encourage and support even each other in the church? Are we looking out for each other? Are we saying the right thing to each other? Are we building each other up? Are we trying to be better in your workplace, in your family life? Are we consistent? Because you know what? I see it more and more that greatness is actually built on consistency. Greatness is actually built on attitude. It's not about how much talent you think you have or haven't got. It's not about who your parents were. It's not about where you were born. It's about your attitude and your consistency that makes you be great in the kingdom of God. And when you're great in the kingdom of God, you can't help but be great and make influence here on earth. You know, we all remember the person that said those negative words to us and pulled us down. But we also remember the person that stood with us and encouraged us. I remember growing up through my teenage years and, and having a pastor in my life who just sort of took me under his wing at the time and just spoke good things into my life, made room through some difficult times. And I'm forever thankful for that guy. He's not so much in my life right now. We still keep in contact. But through those years, I can remember the things that he said that made a difference. I can remember the friends that I went to school with that, that said, you know, that stood with me in difficult times. I can also remember those who didn't. But that's the influence we can be. Our attitude and our consistency determines how far we go in life. You can either face life and go, it is what it is, I'm just going to look out for me. Or you can face life and go, I want to make a difference. No matter what's going on, I want to make a difference. You want to make a real difference? Then be positive. Be encouraging. Be uplifting. 
Be the person who makes room for Jesus and be consistent about it. That's what changes people's lives. Because sometimes, like I said, the only Jesus people are going to see is you. And your attitude and your consistency is what will stand out. Yeah, there's highs, there's lows. But it's your attitude and your consistency that changes lives. Because it makes people want to be like you and people want to be around you. Who wants to be around Mr. Negative? Who wants to be around Mrs. Grumpy Pants? Nobody. We all want to be around that person who encourages, who uplifts, who brings a bit of heaven into our lives. That can be you, just by a simple choice. You make a simple choice in saying, you know, you don't have to say every word that comes into your head. I'm trying to teach a couple of my kids that at the moment. Just because the thought comes in, you don't have to say it. If it's a negative thought, throw it out. You don't need to say it. Find the opposite to it and say that. And when somebody's down, you be the one to pick them up. You be the one to bring Jesus in. Be a consistent light for God. And you'll change your world. You know, we have a job here to reach our city for Jesus to reach our friends and family that they may know him. And it starts with us having the right attitude and being consistent about it. And that starts just by hanging out with Jesus and putting more of God in our lives. You know, I could have been down, depressed and there for the last five weeks, but I made a choice. I just got the word and I put the word in every chance I had. Figure if I can't do anything else, at least I can listen to people. You know, I jumped on YouTube. Man, there's so much on YouTube I didn't even know was there. Man, there's there's preachers galore. I'm just sitting there, just soaking them in hour on hour, and, you know. So there with Dale. We want someone else. Let's watch him again. I think Dale sort of went, I've had enough now, I've got things to do, you know. But I did, I just sit there and just put them in and put them in. I'm sitting on my phone, you know, headphones in. I'm sitting there last night because I went through withdrawal last night. For, I mean, I got to sleep, I think, about half past three, four o'clock. And was up at, you know, 20 past six. You know. But you know what? I feel absolutely fantastic. Because I could have laid there and gone, this is terrible. I did for a while, tossed, turned, trying to get to sleep, didn't work, you know. Because I'm laying there and it's actually my feet start to twitch like this, my toes. It's really weird. And then I start sort of jumping and, you know. I don't know how people do drugs and go through withdrawal. I just don't get that. Why would you do that to yourself? But you've got a choice right then. So, you know, I got my phone out. Flicked it over to a you know, couple of guys I want to listen to. Tucked the headphones in. I just laid there for a couple of hours just listening, putting in good stuff. So Because then I know this morning I've got the right attitude. Because this morning, today is not determined by how much sleep I got last night. Today is determined by how much word I've got in me. Because when you put the word in, you get anointing. And the amount of anointing you have is equally consistent, I find, to the amount of word you've put in. And sometimes I can't just sit there and read lots of Bible because it's just too much to, to hold up or to walk around and do that. So I go the next best thing if I can't do that. And I just start listening to everyone I can. Man, if I'm cleaning the floor, I'm listening. If I'm going for a walk, I'm listening. I'm just putting it in, putting it in. Sometimes I listen to the same stuff over and over again because I really want to get what they're saying. 
I've got, I've got one, I've got one side. I think I'm after about nine, ten times I'm listening to him. And I'm only just now getting what he had to say. I understood the first time, but it's only just now getting down in my spirit. That's where consistency comes from. That's where the attitude comes from. See, you can let your circumstances dictate or you can let the word of God dictate, but you've got to put that word in. And when you've got that word in, you've got plenty in there and it starts to come out. And you can start to pray for people. You can start to have the right attitude. You know, right now I am pumped and I'm high and it's nothing to do with any drugs because my system's clean. Because they're actually downers to make me go to sleep. I've just got so much word flowing in me. Do that. When you're driving your car, put the word on. If you don't know who to listen to, I'll give you a list of people. You just jump on YouTube or you can jump on podcasts and you download them all for free. My biggest problem is storage capacity on my phone. I need a new phone just so I can have more storage capacity to fit more, more preachers on there so I can listen to more. Because that's what changes your life, is putting in the Word of God. You've got to be reading it as well and speaking it. But that's how you change your life. That's how you get more of God in you. John chapter 16 says that if you abide in me and my Word abides in you. In other words, if you're hanging out with me and seeking me first and you've got the Word in you. How do you put the Word in you? You listen to it. You read it. You spend time thinking about it. And he says after that, he says, you can ask whatever you want and it'll be done. You know why that is? Because you've got so much word in you that nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you asking. You get to be like Jesus. Because that's what he was like. He had word in him. He was fully human. He had word in him. And we're told to continue his ministry, yeah? To do what he did. And greater is what he said. That's how you do it. Are we good? All right, let's pray. Otherwise, I'm going to head up in a whole new sermon. Father, we thank you that you're an awesome God. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, it is so powerful. Lord, it is, it is sickness-destroying, poverty-breaking, relationship-healing, life-changing sin-destroying. Lord, it is the power of heaven. Because it's you. You said you and your word are one. Father, we want to thank you that we can put your word into life. Lord, I thank you that there's so many ways we can put your word into our life. And Father, I pray for each one of us that you will stir us up and give us a hunger for your word. That, Father, it will change our attitudes. It'll change our perspective on life. Lord, it'll destroy the things that are holding us back and holding us down and cause us to become each one all that you made us to be. That we will be your shining lights. Lord, we're the people who stand up in the middle of turmoil and say, let's pray and speak into that situation, Lord, and the storm disappears. Sickness is broken and healing comes. Poverty is broken and abundance flows. Whole relationships restored, Father. People who are far from you just coming to you in droves. Because we're empowered by your word and they're abiding in you. 
and your word abiding us. Father, let us be that people. That you are glorified through our lives. Father, I pray for those who are here today, Lord, who might be struggling, who are finding it difficult. Lord, I pray right now, give them a hunger for your word. That they will know breakthrough, Lord, swiftly in you. But as they get more of your word into them, Father, it'll be ongoing breakthrough and no going back. We want to bless you to honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.